Owen, welcome back to the podcast for another session. This session, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, dissatisfaction within import player, uh, import players and clubs, and sometimes uh, you know how a relationship goes sour or doesn't quite work out, and imports end up going home a little bit early. Thanks for having me again, David. It's good to be on board, and I like what you're doing with everything. The international baseball community couldn't have a better ambassador, and you're doing a great job. So thanks again for considering me to be a part of it. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, it wouldn't be anywhere without uh, the knowledge of, of guys like yourself uh, dedicating a little bit of their time to, to come on here and, and help out. So I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've, I've witnessed over the – you know, over my uh, – nine years playing international baseball in, in, in Austria, <coughs> just Austria alone. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just through reading news on Mr. Baseball about players being released or sent home or, or, or relationships that didn't work out. Uh, I'm trying to figure out why, uh, clubs are having difficulty finding the import that fits right with their, with their club. Well, what do you think's going wrong there? Why, why are things uh, not working out sometimes? Well, I think there's there's obviously circumstances that are that surround each of those isolated incidents and, and would obviously determine the outcome of, of various situations that you refer to. I think it's a difficult thing in general to be in one part of the world and try to, to hire someone to better your organization, someone that you don't know, and cr- create a, a line of communication with them that consists of emailing and asking around and getting them to send a video or two or looking up statistics, all of those things, of course, can be kind of skewed and, and are, are variable or subjective to the, the particular level of competition or a person's upbringing. And, and the intangibles is, of course, what what every club is is dying to know. And those are the things that you can't measure in a statistic and that you don't really have a full gauge for if someone sends you a resume. It's it's in their delivery and their tone in conversations or the way they carry themselves or the things that you once again won't know until they're actually on the ground or if you have someone to vouch for them. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the difficult part is, is the trust factor and not, not fully knowing what someone's all about until it's, it's too late. The funds have been, have been shifted. You may have already paid someone or paid for their flight or given them a place to stay and they're already in the country and you've kind of, you've kind of played the hand. And so I suppose it's 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 not as though you can be the CIA or the FBI and do background checks on these guys, but if if it's possible for clubs to be a little bit more stringent with the the process and and understand that there are people that are out there or that are involved who could probably vouch for for a player or may have contacts that are able to assist in in getting a person that would be a good fit for a club. You know, obviously one person may be a perfect fit for a certain club, that same person may not fit at all with the the next the club next door so it's important to understand what clubs are seeking and then obviously important for them to realize that it's it's not always as as smooth and easy to get exactly what you want or what you'd hope for knowing that this person is someone that is basically an alien someone you don't know yeah yeah so you know i think maybe we we can touch on how how clubs can go about um smoothing out this process what are what are some things that they can they can do to to make sure that that this doesn't happen what are some measures that can be taken it seems as though at least in my limited experience in international baseball over the last four plus years 
I, I don't think enough clubs ask the tough questions. You know, a lot of clubs are just kind of looking for that quick fix that how fast do you throw, how many home runs did you hit last year, what positions can you play. And, of course, those are great things and things that are very important if you're going to bring an import player in. But as we alluded to in a previous interview, David, I think the, the important things to consider, at least for the longevity of the sport or the growth of a club, are what can you do for our younger players? What kind of impact are you going to have on the guys who are established and that we want to keep around at our club because we know they can make an impact? And what can you teach our coaches? And can you get more parents involved, at least on a volunteer capacity, to assist in coaching or have the confidence to want to come out and help with training sessions? And those kinds of questions are, are often overlooked or, or not even considered at all, at least when kind of, if you will, interviewing a, an import player. So I think if clubs are willing to ask the hard questions and ultimately if you got down to it, clubs want to develop their junior programs and get young players coming through. So it's a constant feeder system for their senior level club or their senior level teams rather. So if, if they just ask the, the, the question straight up and, and try to get at least a feel for if players are willing to do the things that clubs ultimately want them to do, I think it's going to go a long way, and some people will, will of course, resist wanting to coach and won't have any interest in doing it, but then again, you've just realized the the guy that you want or the guy you thought you want maybe isn't the person that's the best fit, so asking the hard questions and gaining that information straight up is, is I think, massively, massively beneficial for clubs. Yeah, and I think in addition to that, not not only just are they willing to do it, but how they would go about doing it, and specific steps that they would take to to you know develop the program and uh, I, I think that's it because a lot of clubs are, are looking for this guy that that's going to come over and hit x amount of home runs and help them win a championship but they're not thinking long term and that the club needs to realize what their long-term and short-term goals are and, and if they just keep bringing over guys that are going to help them win a championship well uh suddenly you, you look and there's only three kids out to the youth practice and and uh, the future doesn't look bright so I think that's a great point right there that you made. Um, maybe we can speak on the the communication too. Uh, that's that's obviously a, a difficulty with some non-native English speakers trying to speak with a you know a guy in the U.S. or Canada or Australia or wherever, and uh, you know there's obviously going to be a communication breakdown. Uh, do you have any suggestions on how they can uh, try to get around that or to smooth that out? I suppose, as I kind of alluded to in, in one of our previous interviews, simplifying things is often the the best approach. You know, it's it's easy to give lots and lots of information, but if only a small percentage of that's actually being comprehended or or gathered, then it doesn't do a whole lot of good to to spill the beans, at least in that massive capacity. So. The, the simplest you can make it, and I suppose if, if an English speaker is trying to communicate with someone who doesn't speak English as a first language, obviously slowing down and doing your best to articulate and really break down the, the sentence in its simplest form and using, using key words that would be, uh, I suppose, advantageous, such as, I want to coach or willing to coach, and, and letting the, the other side know that that your focus is on the things that that the club needs and the club wants and conducting oneself in a in a professional manner is is something that that perhaps the the younger generation may struggle with a little bit more than someone who has experience in in having conversations like that so trying to be as 
again, as articulate and as engaging as possible while still delivering that basic message of what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I suppose conveying that on paper is a little bit easier because then a translator could be used or you could use an application on a computer that allows you to translate words. Whereas if you're having a conversation and there's a dialogue, it becomes a little bit more difficult to do that. So that, that would be my biggest suggestion is to try to break it down in its simplest form. Yeah, and from the club point of view, I think, uh, you know, if they have access to a native English speaker who could actually conduct some of the, or sit in on the interview or something like that as well, I think that's always uh, a great help as well. I think you should utilize any guys that you have within your, your organization that are maybe more fluent with English or are a native English speaker and to help with the process because, uh, you know, I think a lot is lost in translation and that may lead to some of these problems that we're seeing. And, uh, um, yeah, so from the players' point of view, uh, you know, obviously players they just want to get over here, you know, and they're and they're, they're willing to, you know, to go just about anywhere. But I, I think with with that kind of mentality, that's what leads to a lot of these problems as well. Is I think that we they need to look for their right fit as well. Not only the club has to find their right fit, but the player needs to find uh, a club that they would be happy playing for. Um, so, do you have any? Uh, suggestions or advice to a player that is thinking about going to play in, in Europe or Australia and what kind of things they should look into uh, prior to committing to a club? Right. And that's a great question, David. I think with technology the way it is now and statistics and information sharing as, as open and widespread as it is, anyone who, who wants to do a little research or is really is genuinely interested in knowing what their experience is going to entail, could hop online. And if, as an example, the Atnang Athletics want to uh, want to bring out a guy and, and that player wants to know what it's going to be like in Atnang, he can look and see who the import players were in the previous years. And you could use Facebook, you can use LinkedIn, and, and reach out to those guys or at least contact the club and ask for that person's details that you may have some specific questions related to their stay and their experience with the club and in the country. And that's a great way to at least align yourself with someone who's been in a similar position and could probably answer those questions a little bit easier and, and more applicably than someone who's a local or a native that's doing the same thing. Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of guys overlook that. Uh, option and I think that is probably the best thing to do is hear it hear it from somebody who's experienced it and and went through it so and that's one thing <laughs> um, yeah and a lot of guys are maybe dissatisfied with the level of ball once they get over there and trying to put a thumb on what it would be like the level of ball in various countries um, so I mean I guess that's where my website comes in uh, listening to the podcasts and uh, reading some of the posts but uh, yeah, I think um, just doing your research probably uh, um, and, and as to where you're going and what the level of ball is and maybe asking those questions, the import as well, or any previous imports from any clubs, uh, maybe get a feel for what the whole league is about, not necessarily just the club as well. And, and yeah, so I think I think that pretty much covers it. I think a lot of information exchange, the more information, the better. Uh, what do you think about that? How, you know, I think um, if, if – the club were to just try to provide as much information as possible up front so the player can 
decide whether that's that's what you know somewhere he wants to go or not. Right, I completely agree, David. I think the the biggest thing, as you said, is that is that open open line of communication, and I don't think it's exhausted enough, and I don't think the the tough questions are asked enough from both sides. If a player wants to know certain things and has specific questions, those questions should be asked. They shouldn't be presumed. Mm-hmm. And and I think that a club should be in a similar position that they need to ask the questions that are going to ultimately shape the club's future. And if their goal is to win a championship right now, well then, of course, the the outcome of that will be that they want to get the best possible player they can. But if their goal is to be competitive at all levels and to continue to grow their, their youth and the young players, then you certainly want someone who is a little bit more focused on working with kids and developing the, young, the younger generation and those kids who are coming through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's it. You need to find out what the your immediate goal is and what your long-term goals are and, and, and go from there and try to find the right fit. Uh, a lot of guys also want to come over and, uh, you know, they're here to play baseball and do a job, but they also want to travel and, and see some of the some of the country, and, and that's obviously on the minds of most guys that are, are coming over. Um, but I, I think a lot of relationships go sour because a guy spends too much time on the road, not enough time doing his job, and uh, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that and, and how to, you know, maybe – up front again, discuss those things and to avoid it. Right. I think the biggest thing is that, again, to be honest, in, in any conversation I had with, with any clubs that I communicated with previously, it was always that I want to play baseball, I'm willing to help coach, and I'm going to devote all my time and mental energy to, to doing those things to my best, the best of my ability. I also want it to be clear that, that I want this to be a, a life experience as well, and I want to be able to have the opportunity to travel or the freedom to, to go places if it doesn't conflict with a, a schedule that I've already committed to. So if you make it clear up front with clubs, I think that, that most situations would would be positive or at least the club would, would be willing to say that, that they want you to have that experience as well. So you don't come all the way across the world and, and, just, and just see baseball fields and, and can at least experience a little bit more than, than most if they were to come over and, and play baseball. And, and I, I do believe, honestly, that that there's enough time in a baseball season, at least from my experience in the European season and certainly here in Australia, that if you're here for the full season, before the season, even in the middle of the season, and, and certainly after the season, there's sufficient time to travel and, and to go about. And especially with the downtime in between games in some instances, there there's enough time or sufficient uh, space that you could even take some small road trips or or go somewhere for a day or two days and at least knock some of that out and have a chance to, to see some different parts of, of whatever country or region you're in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely it. And I think you, the more you talk about what, what your plans are and what you would like to do up front and maybe even get into the specifics of, of, you know, what a weekly schedule would look like and, and how much time would be available to, for little day trips somewhere or whatever, then uh, I think the more that, you know, that can be avoided any any problems there so owen it's been uh two interviews in a row today so we've been talking for almost an hour and i know it's been a long day for you and i haven't had breakfast yet so uh you know i want to i think we covered everything we needed to in about this topic right now and uh, i look forward to the next one if you're up to another one sometime 
Absolutely, David, and I appreciate your time. I know it's it's crazy time over there for you, but I appreciate you you making time and, and for asking the tough questions as we <laughs> talked about. And and I'm looking forward to it. Anytime I can be of assistance to the international baseball community, more than willing to help out. Thanks for considering me and, and all the best in the future. Perfect. Thanks, Owen. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'll be in touch soon. And uh, your season's coming up pretty soon. And best of luck to you there. Great. Likewise, David. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. That wraps up another episode of the International Baseball Community Podcast. We discussed a topic that I've been wanting to bring up for a while on the podcast or on my blog uh, because I've witnessed since launching this website in 2012 that uh, you know a number of clubs around Europe have sent players home or players have, uh, have left early uh, due to a variety of reasons, dissatisfaction on one end or the other. And uh, I feel like a lot of these uh, these early departures could have been avoided uh, if maybe a few measures were taken. So I uh, wrote this uh, blog post called "Top The Top 5 Reasons EU Imports Go Home Early and How to Avoid Them. Uh, in addition to this episode to uh you know put that out there for the clubs and players that are uh about to um engage in in a pre-contract negotiations uh and may- maybe how they can avoid such pitfalls and and to overcome uh any previous um difficulties they've had so hopefully this helps please uh, provide some feedback on on the post and uh, comment and put your thoughts on and uh maybe we could uh just help international baseball grow uh, a little faster this way. So thanks for listening and uh, take care out there.